Hello, welcome to Rugby World Magazine's One Game at a Time, a new series of podcasts where we delve into the minds of some of your favourite rugby players. This episode, one of the best back row operators in the world at the moment, Tom Curry. We talk about a game from the 2019 Rugby World Cup in Japan, and we talk about loads of stuff. What he thinks about when he's playing for England, how to tackle David Pocock, brothers, and even handshakes. We watch the highlights of the game on YouTube, and if you want to watch along with us, you can find the clip by following the link attached. I really enjoyed talking to Tom, and the insight and honesty he spoke with was brilliant. We got to find out what it was like to be one of the best young players around. I hope you like it. This is One Game at a Time. Tom Curry, how are you? Uh, family well amongst this madness at the moment? Are you okay? Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, been a pretty tiring morning. I'm pretty lucky I've got my brother so we can do things together, push each other. Um, I mean, we spoke about it before, you know, parents are both teachers. So, you know, they're kind of varied. I think one, one day a week, uh, one day a fortnight they're in or one day a week. Um, so they're nice and relaxed. And uh, yeah, sister's nice and relaxed. So yeah, all good mind. Welcome to the One Game at a Time podcast. Uh, you understand the deal. I'm going to spend some time with one rugby player talking about one rugby game that they played in. It's as simple as that, but hopefully through detailed examination, we will find out a little bit more about what you, makes you and the game you love tick. Um, first question, are you naturally analytical? Uh, yeah. So kind of from a young age, you know, when you start, you know, taking rugby a bit more seriously at probably the, the age of 16. Um, I was lucky I had Richard Hill. So we had lots of detail and analysis, especially from back row perspective. Um, and it's kind of just carried through. Um, I love the way that the small details probably uh, make a huge difference um, to, to how you see the game and, and ultimately how you perform in the game. Um, whether that's training or on the pitch, I think um, analysis is, is a big part of it. Are you someone that looks back as well, or is it too dangerous to spend time looking too much at the past? Um, I think this is what's brilliant. Uh, I say, you know, my career's only just really starting, but even over these past three, four years, I probably changed how I am um, and developed uh, probably just through experience. Uh, you know, when you first come into the, the setup, you're looking at clips for two, two hours a day, you know, you're asking these questions afterwards. Um, you know, what should I do here? What should I do there? And then as I kind of grown up, I've I say grown up, but um, I realised that it's a lot better to solve the problem during the training or during the game, and then afterwards, a there's less to look at, but b you can just like nudge one or two things in the right direction and focus on those rather than trying to focus on everything, because you're never going to accomplish that. So um, it's always evolving, and I, I, you kind of find you'll probably never find the 100% method um, but yeah I'm getting there. Yeah it's, it's an evolving process isn't it people in professional sport have got to be aware of the fact that you, you've got to change or not, or not constantly but, but almost pretty much be thinking about the way that you can improve. Yeah definitely um, especially you know when the, when, when the game's changing as well um, you've got to look at how the game's changing but also how you, you're changing as a person you know you're not going to be the same person for 12 years and you're going to get better and better and constantly topping up those 1% to try and squeeze the best out of yourself in your career um, is a real good way of thinking about it, I think. Do you watch rugby for fun? I know you, you watch it as part of your job, um, but is there ever a moment where you think, oh, I'll stick a game of rugby on and, and watch that? I don't have a choice when I'm at home. My dad's always got it <laughs> running. Um, but yeah, no, I think you know it's always nice, especially a Saturday morning, um, you know, you're playing in the afternoon, evening, um, and then you've got, you know, Super 15 on. 
uh, in the background, whether that's, you know, just making breakfast and it's always playing. Uh, it's, it's good to watch. And I think, especially, you know, as a professional rugby player, you get caught up in, oh, I need to do this. Oh, look how he's doing. And then just watching a game as almost like a fan, as a, a schoolboy, again, is refreshing a lot of the time. Obviously, you're not going to go home after training and, you know, watch a clip from the 1995 um, World Cup. But, you know, just having a refreshing and, and really getting excited about it, I think it's a, a brilliant thing to do. The game I want to talk about with you is from the 2019 uh, Rugby World Cup. It's not the final, nor even that extraordinary semi-final, although we may touch upon those. We may get to talk a little bit about those. I want to take you and the people listening back to the game against Australia, the, the, the quarterfinal. But first, when I say those words, 2019 World Cup, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Probably the changing room afterwards. After the final? I think that, yeah, after the final, sorry. I think that kind of, that feeling, you know, something you've worked for four years has come to like that in such a short period of time and you're finally there in the changing rooms after the final of a World Cup. I think that hits you quite hard. The latter half of the group stages were dominated by Typhoon Hagibis. Uh, England's final group game against France was 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 cancelled, actually called a draw. What was the feeling in the camp when, when that happened, when, when that announcement was made and you knew that you'd get a, a longer break before a, a, the quarter-final matchup? Oh, we, were, we, we, we had to go back to the heat camp uh, down south, so we were a bit gutted. Um, I had to train very hard. Um, but no, I think at the end of the day, there's not a lot you can do about it. Obviously, you want to play, you want to get the most caps for your country. You know, France is a huge game on its, on its own, let alone in the World Cup. So in that regard, it was upsetting. But, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, make the best of, of what you can and take the positives out of everything. You know, we've got a week to... You know, well, I say two, two, three days, two days to rest, and then three, four days to rip in and get better, refresh ourselves, and then really tear into that next week. So um, I guess it was a blessing in disguise uh, to be able to get that rest, to get better, and refresh yourself physically and mentally. Yeah, talk about the the game against Australia. You, you knew that they were potentially quarter final opponents when when Wales beat them in the, in their group stages. You'd beaten them in the last six meetings, England versus Australia, you kind of had them, uh, you had the Indian sign over them. And yet I can imagine that you were never sort of complacent. What was the talk leading up to that game about how you were going to sort of undo Australia? Yeah, I think the beauty about the World Cup is you never know what's going to happen. People turn up, you know, you could beat them and people turn up magically in a World Cup because it's, you know, the big stage, it's a one-off. The whole thing throughout the World Cup, the whole ethos was, you know, take every day as it comes. That's pretty hard considering, you know, the cyclical nature of it. You know, you play a game two days off and you're back into training, play a game, and you've got these games to think about. So breaking out of that cycle and properly getting better every day and improving every day um, was a big ethos. Um, Now, when it comes to Australia, as I said, we were lucky we had that week off before to kind of reset and re-go again and really focus on them. Um, I mean, going into that week, obviously, talk about the breakdown a lot, the the Hooper Pocock um, thing. There was a lot of chat around that, making sure that we focus on ourselves and the ability to focus on ourselves and make sure we're strong at the breakdown. If we're strong at the breakdown, then you know we can do what we want in attack. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a lot of focus throughout the whole thing, not just Australia. We, we was on ourselves. 
So let's have a look at this Australia team. I'll read it out for, for people on the podcast. Curtly Beale at 15, Reese Hodge at 14, Jordan Pattaya and Sammy Karevi in the midfield, uh, Cora Betty on the left wing, halfbacks Lely Liafano and Genia, front row of Siu Latu Alalotua, uh, second row of Rodder and uh, Rory Arnold, Isaac Rodder and Rory Arnold in the second row. And then that back row, David Pocock, Michael Hooper, and number eight, Izzy Nazarani. Um, you mentioned there those two names. I mean, when I look at it, when 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 a, a fan looks at that team, I mean, it's, it's got sprinkling of of stardust all the way through it. But those two names at six and seven do stand out. Is is that what you see when when you look at that that sort of uh, team list from Australia? Yeah, I think naturally, obviously, you know, when you're in the back row and you always want to beat your opposite man, it goes back to that cliche: beat your opposite man. Um, but I think, yeah, Australia especially, they get a lot of their energy and enthusiasm from those turnovers um, you know they like to play quick they've got dangerous players in, that can counter-attack like that and, and, and pull something off um, from the back of a turnover or you know a steal so it was massively important for us to make sure that we, we could lock down their strengths as well as play to ours as, as best as we could. Was, was it in your mind as well because I think 2016 James Haskell had had played so well in that series down there to beat them in Australia and, and shown that really, as you mentioned there, as you alluded to there when you were talking about it, almost winning the back row is kind of the, the, the key to, to winning uh, against Australia. Did, did you feel that, that little bit of extra pressure to get it right? Um, you know, as a back row, we always sit down and discuss their back row. The same with, you know, the halfbacks, the front three, everyone always talks about the opposition. Um, as a back row, you know, especially as the youngster coming up against these, there probably is that little bit of, you know, added um, spice to it. Um, but it's nothing that, you know, we, we were com- unbelievably excited for. Um, but again, as a team, we can't just focus on, you know, two, three players um, because then that's when, you know, the likes of Genia or Karevi step up, um, Beal at the back, um, they step up and make a play. Mm. So it was a real especially when you get to these finals, these quarterfinals, semifinals, it's a huge 80-minute performance from 1 to 23 that we can properly stay on it. And I think that's a, that's a true test of uh, these sorts of games, these, these finals, really. The England team was as follows. Elliot Daly at fullback, Anthony Watson uh, on one wing, Johnny May on the other, uh, Henry Slade and Manu Tuolangi in the centres, Owen Farrell at 10, Ben Youngs at 9, a front row of Mako Vunipola, Jamie George, Carl Sinclair, Mauro Toje and Courtney Laws in the second row. Yourself, Tom Curry at six, Sam Underhill at seven and Billy Vunipola at eight. When, when you see and, and hear team sheets run out, uh, read out like that, do you sometimes think, oh, that's weird, that's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that team. <laughs> does, it, does, it ever, does it ever, do you ever have those sort of out-of-body experiences where you go, wow, this is great. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, you know, these are, you know, some of these players are, you know, especially Billy, uh, Courtney, these are the players you've looked up to for a long time. Um, but I think that's kind of the beauty of uh, the England setup and how the environment is, is that, you know, they're just mates now. So it's just kind of like you need someone else to remind you, whether it's you're just in there just playing with your mates. Yeah. So uh, when someone brings it up like that, it does, but then, you know, I can go text them on WhatsApp and just be like, how's it going? And, you know, that's completely normal. So there was, uh, there was one change and that was George Ford dropping down and, 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 and Owen Farrell going to 10. I mean, explain how that, that sort of works and, and looked from the inside because, you know, 
a fair bit was made in the press and, and Lehman will wonder how George would feel. But explain about the mindset of the squad. Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, especially, you know, in this uh, situation, exactly. Fordy's a brilliant team man, um, leader, but also, you know, he, he's completely there for the team. And, you know, everyone will say that and it's very obvious. Um, but then secondly, you know, that, that kind of mindset, that, was trained from the start you know we were thinking about this uh, or talking about this in, in June July and it's kind of been a thing that Eddie's always talked about is you know getting the best out of the, the 23 that are playing um, whether that's you know you're not in the squad and you can push the lads who are going to tra- uh, play in training getting the best out of them um, w- was huge and you, you definitely got a sense that before the World Cup that you know, everyone was pushing each other, not for themselves, but for the better of the team. And it's a really fine balance because you've got everyone, you know, everyone wants to be at the World Cup. You know, it's a pinnacle, you know, it's a proper, it's what people dream about. But then, you know, it was just a real sense of a team uh, and more than a team really, it's like a group of mates properly pushing each other for, for the better of each other rather than, you know, being, trying to do it for themselves. So I don't know how to explain it because it's more of a feeling, mm. but it was uh, it was something special. A funny question, this one. Is there someone on that team list that you sort of take a personal lead from? Is there is there someone that you always find yourself just just catching, you know, in your eye line, just to see how they are and, and where they are? Are there or, or are there a number of different sort of leaders across that group, or does it not work like that? What, what do you mean in terms of like? Yeah, just what do you mean in the build-up to a match and and where you are? Do you, do you sort of you know? Because so, I, I again I may be wrong. You know, you, you take personal cues from people. You know, little bits of body language. You you watch how they are. You sort of look at them. Do you find yourself your eyes being drawn to certain people to sort of to, in that situation? Yeah, I think you know this is something we spoke about as well. Um, is you know how you you got to get yourself right first. Get yourself in the right mental state. You know, you don't have to be bashing your head against the wall, but, you know, if you've got yourself right, your own house in order, then it, it does add that extra 5% for everyone around you. And there's, we're talking about that feeling you get in the change room. And again, it's something you can't really describe, but it's a feeling that you, that you generate. Um, naturally, you're going to look at, you know, who the people that speak the most, you know, the leaders, you know, you've got Owen in defence, um, George in attack, um, Lenny's very vocal in terms of how, how he speaks, narrow. Um, so naturally, there are going to be those leaders that, you know, give you that information. But I'm a big believer in making sure we get our own house in order. And if everyone does that, um, obviously, you know yourself the best. But if everyone does that, then we can all rip in together. We are going to look at the YouTube highlights. It's an 11-minute package from World Rugby on their channel. If uh, people are listening at home to this podcast and want to see what we're going to be looking at, you can go and find it and you can sort of press play now. A lot was made about the sort of atmosphere, the humidity out in Japan. How did it feel to you? How did, how did you cope with it? Yeah, you know, I think atmosphere and, and that sort of experience is a great driver as far as how, you know, getting excited and stuff for games. Um, you know, I, I think it does wonders for you. Um, in terms of humidity, that's another question. I mean, that USA game was, you, you'd go out for the warm-up and you were sweating before you even got onto the pitch. So, uh, yeah, that was a different experience completely. Watching uh, everyone sort of walk out here. Do you think about anything in particular when you're walking out? Not really. It's just kind of embracing uh, kind of the atmosphere, especially this game. 
it was probably the first time, you know, you see those clips in the 2003 World Cup, Australia, England, and there's blocks of white, blocks of yellow. And that probably hit me the first. It's kind of like it had that sort of atmosphere. Obviously, I wasn't there. Um, but that sort of, you know, this is it kind of moment. Do you have any final thoughts before you sort of take the video? Is, is there anything that you sort of say, any sort of mental checklist that you go through before a game as to, as to, as to getting yourself ready? Or is it, is it just about trying to stay as calm and as free in your mind as possible? Yeah, a lot of the work would have been done before. Um, I'm sure if you speak to a lot of, you know, players, they will, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'll get my confidence from, you know, training the week, making sure that I've, I've drilled everything I need to, uh, worked hard, my fitness is good. And then, you know, if I've done all that, then I'll, I'll just be myself on Saturday. And I know if I'm myself and I'm raring to go excited, then I I'll, I'll, I should play well. Um, and then once, so once I've got all that in order, it's just about freeing yourself up not forcing everything and just reacting naturally off your instincts. I think it's the way I play the best. I've pressed pause. I'm going to press play at about 45 seconds on the uh, on the YouTube clip. This is uh, an early break. Henry, Spl- Henry Slade uh, spilling the ball and then Kirtley Beale uh, sort of uh, ripping open uh, England. I mean, you would have known a lot about Beale from his time in the, in the, in the Premiership. Did you, did you talk about that at all? Did you talk about the threat that he possessed and that sort of open field issue? Yeah, that's one of the things we kind of spoke about in terms of Australia is their ability to just break and make something out of nothing, really. Um, talk about their, their kind of star players. You've got Genia as well around the ruck and the breakdown. So we had to make sure, you know, we were tight in the middle, but also connected and our ability to get them on or keep them on the edge was, was crucial. So it was a big defensive effort, definitely. Lelia Fano uh, put them uh, 3-0 ahead. Set piece and, and all that, we, we see it in operation and, and we see this uh, the sort of big strike runner of Manu Tuolangi. You know, just explain to people exactly how much set piece work there is in, 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 sort, of, in sort of training and, and how much communication goes into it because it must be a huge amount. Yeah, it's kind of different international to premiership. Premiership is probably a lot more set phase than there's international to... I mean, we didn't go, we went into the New Zealand game with not too many moves, to be honest. Um, it's kind of, and, and pretty simple, um, because that's how we kind of wanted to keep the game. So it changes between games, depending on who, we, who we've got. But yeah, no, you know, we drill these at least once or twice a day. If everyone's in the same spot and the analysis people have done their work, then we know we should get them with these moves. Um, so yeah, it's all crucial in terms of timing and and tempo to these things. We'll uh, we'll start the YouTube clip at around two minutes and two seconds, and this is the the first Johnny May try. You're directly involved, uh, lurking out wide. It's a it's a big part of your game, isn't it? Being able to uh, pass and move like uh, like like a back end, uh, and you put Johnny May away here very well. Yeah, it's it's you know I th- I remember being nervous whether I should have been more in field to help support the breakdown. So it's, it's worked out all right here. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is about row. It's, it's always about reading the game. We talk about the phases. They're probably only set for two or three moves mm. um, to get to that edge. Once we come back, it's all about playing off the cuff and reading what's in front. Um, so yeah, no, it worked out nicely in the end. Australia sort of uh, always threatening as well. Big strike runners. You mentioned them earlier, but they seem they seem to have a lot of big men on the field as well. And defensively, you were going to have to be really tight. 
Um, I think, you know, that's one of the, probably the strengths of, of this team was how connected and all on the same page we were. Um, we've got, you know, a lot of people who can make things happen in defence and good readers of defence. So, yeah, we, we were very lucky. Explain um, what happens here. We're going to start the, the clip at 2 minute and 53 seconds. And this is, this is actually leading to, to Johnny May's second try. Uh, and and it's it's disruption. Did 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 you read this opportunity? Is it sort of came your way to put this tackle in to dislodge the ball? Um, you know, Pocock. I was trying to hold off because we kind of felt that we were. I kind of felt that you know the ruck speed was very quick. And then once you see Pocock take it to the line and one player, you can kind of rush them. So that's what in terms of you know we speak about attack reading the game defensively. We've got to make sure we're reading the game. And, and was it Slady outside me? Um, just making sure that you know I'm not disconnecting from him, but he's also reading off me. So it's a it's a lot of you know communication, not between like word of mouth, but how how we're both assessing the situation without speaking. I think is one of the one of the crucial things and one of the toughest things in rugby, to be honest. Talking about sort of technique, tackle technique, and things. Is it all muscle memory? Is there any thought that goes in on the field to, to how you're doing something? I know it sounds a strange question, but you, do you do you get what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, some obviously everyone's different. At the end of the day, I'm just thinking about trying to wax on as hard as possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's times where you might go through, you know, a form phase where you're not getting your feet quite tight enough, and so you might be thinking about different bits of the game. Um, there might be times where you need to kind of adjust your tackle height depending on who you, the situation who you're tackling um, but you know I like to think at the end of the day it's an attitude thing and I know if I I want it more than the other guy it's going to it's going to come off well Do you have a an on-field inner voice? Uh, make me sound like I've got uh, what's that when someone speaks to you in your head uh, without sounding crazy without sounding crazy um, yeah I think you know you've got that driver in the back of your head you know to push you to, to squeeze those extra few percenters um, you know if you've done something bad you need to have a oh, I need to have a word for myself um, but nothing crazy I'm not a I'm not a psycho <laughs> I wasn't suggesting. I wasn't suggesting you would be. I'm just saying that you know, to a certain extent, I'm think everyone has that narrator going on and 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 sort of giving you instructions of where to do and what to do and how to do this. And and I wondered whether it manifests itself as as, a, as an inner voice. Maybe not. Scrum time. Uh, we've got. I've got four minutes forty seven on the YouTube clip. We've got a, a, a scrum here on the highlights. Talk me through this set piece and 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 what the job is. You know, for a for a number six on the blind side here. I think. Are you who are you with here? You with Sinclair on on this side? Talk to me about what your job is at scrum time. Oh, so Sinclair is a very is a very specific scrummager. So you got to make sure everything is right with him. Okay. Um, you know the pressure, the load you're putting on, and and at the right time. Um, so this, you know, you got to know quite a lot about your props and where where they want it, how they want it, how much they want it um, at certain times in terms of you know the crouch bind set. Um, some like an early load, some like a like it late, some like you're holding on, some don't. So you got to make sure you know your props. Mm. Um, and then yeah, at the end of the day, pushing as hard as possible. I mean, it's not a it's not a hard task to just ram your shoulder up his bum, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it, all the all the work. You know, get your feet in the right position, body position. Obviously, is a massive massive job. But yeah, as I said, all the all kind of like the work's done before to make sure the props as happy as possible, tight bind with the second row, good surface area to give you the maximum amount of uh, energy to go. 
Kai all this time, but but of course, being blindside, you you move positions. You would have to do the same for for Mako. Slightly different. What what does Mako want? Uh yes, yeah, so I'm trying to off the top of my head. He <laughs> likes being held on, so he likes being held back probably a bit more than Sinks does. Okay. Um, and especially you know if I was on Anders' side and that was a blind side, just allowing that bit of extra room for the ball to come through the channel yeah. um, without it hitting your knee or foot. So it has a smooth, you know, a smooth passage backwards to the eight is, is a big, is a big thing to work, um, to work with on the, on that nine side. Are you helping the second rows in any shape or form? Do they shout at you and tell you what to do? Oh, we're just telling each other to push each other as hard as possible. Um, obviously you need to have that strong bind with the second row. Um, to keep that connection together and keep the tightest scrum possible. So the tightest scrum is a good, a good scrum. During a game, I mean, we're watching it back now. Obviously, it, it, it's different. You're, you're seeing it, you know, from camera angles that you wouldn't have seen. But during this game, are there are there any moments that that stand out for you in in your own memory when you when you think back to this game? Anything personally that you got involved with or you did? Probably the try thing because I felt like a back, so I actually felt <laughs> it boosted my ego a bit. You know, a bit of a playmaker. Yeah. Um, so that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, not a lot of these games come so thick and fast. I think at the time, so there's there's only like one or two kind of, you know, that permanently stand out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say that that bit. The clarity within games. I mean, it must happen so quickly and so fast. And we've heard loads of people sort of talk about international rugby. You know, a half of international rugby feeling like like five minutes. And is is that the case for every game, or or are there moments where Clarity can be found. Uh, yeah, I think clarity is a huge part, but it doesn't mean you know clarity doesn't mean taking things slowly. Um, it's make sure you've got the knowledge, as I said beforehand, that week to to learn everything, get that confidence, clarity in as far as you know what the team wants from you, your role, um, and all that clarity stuff's done the week before or or during that week. Sorry, so that when you get there, you can properly rip in really without thinking. Mm. Um, it's not a case of you know I need to do this I need to do that you just do it and because you've drilled it through the week you've done it under fatigue you've done meetings about it it comes as a second nature really and that's kind of what clarity means to me I'm going to start the YouTube clip at 5 minutes 59 again um, this is the, the the try that Australia struck back with um, ha- have a look at this are, are there any mistakes made here? Um, yeah I mean naturally I think we want to be a bit more connected than that, mm. uh, especially on the edge. That ability to know if we're going to go up, we're all going to go up together. Um, obviously, I'm not an edge back, so I'm not entirely, you know, word for word going to get this right. But I think, you know, the ability to be more connected and really push off, you know, I think the, the spacing may be slightly tight, but that's going to happen in games is our ability to read it. If we are a bit tight, hold off a bit and then, and then properly go once we feel like we've got the, the numbers and connection from the inside. Um, and then we can really move off together rather than, you know, letting them create those one-on-ones. This was Australia back into it. Can you uh, remember any discussion underneath the post? Um, this is a thing, you know, nothing, nothing necessarily has to be, you know, we don't need people going out and problem solving. Mm. Um, I think that's probably one of the big differences or one of the big work ones we, we did as a team is, you know, if something's going against us, we don't try and solve, we don't have to score in the next five minutes with an unbelievable play. You know, we do what's been, we feel we've been working. Obviously, we're going to have to change things that haven't, but we'd stick with what we've been doing uh, and what we're good at. Um, and like, so we look through this, you know, 
no one's doing anything in particularly amazing. We've hit unders, we've gone around the corner, we've gone to a width, and I come back, I think, with Billy, and then we've just run a standard play, and Sinks has run a great line, and, and that's what it's about, really. Um, the simple thing's done really well, everyone doing their job, 40 taking it to the line, I think, and that's a cracking line. So I think this is a brilliant response. Yeah, it is. And, and seven minutes thirty on the uh, uh, this is what we're looking at on the uh, on the YouTube clip. Talk about the the all court nature of, uh, of of England rugby. You know, it's been it's been fostered over a period of years, and obviously you're you're young, but it's been it's been coming a quite a long time to have everyone being able to play. And you know, I know it's not just England rugby; rugby in general. But but talk about the the sort of skill sets of, of people like Carl Sinclair in the front row. It's uh, they really have come on exceptionally well over the last 10 years and they really are quite quite versatile, quite clever footballers across the park. Yeah, obviously you touched on it there, you know, the way the rugby's going. Um, naturally, it's going to change like that. You know, it's still a young sport professionally. Um, so yeah, naturally it's going to change like that. But, you know, from my point of view, you know, having a prop that can flick it out the back and then doing this, doing that, good footwork, timing onto the run is, is unbelievable. You know, it's like having an extra uh, back row or centre that can do, having, do, being able to do that. Mm. Um, so it helps, obviously, naturally, you're going to, you know, some games you might need a big old heavy prop to lock down the scrum. Um, but having someone who can, who can definitely do both is, is having, you know, that extra feather in your cap is, is definitely helpful for the team, really. So sort of connected to that question, the number six role... Uh, you were playing in this game and, and I appreciate that you've been asked to play in different positions for, for England and at club rugby as well. Positionally, is rugby losing that sort of positional sort of uh, responsibility? You know, because it used to be the case that six did this and did this and did this. Not so much anymore, is it? I mean, are they, are they losing their positional sort of processes? Um, it's, it's hard to predict, isn't it? These things come around in circles in rugby uh, very quickly. You know, you, you look at New Zealand and they wanted the, you know, for the semis, a, a big second row to help out jump us. You look at, you know, South Africa having Steph to toy as an extra, you know, line-up jumper does make a difference. Um, but then again, what do you gain? What do you lose? It's a balance. And I think, you know, that's what, something I've always spoken about in terms of having a, a balance throughout the back row where you can cover a lot of things mm. um, and, and properly, you know, get a, the most strengths out of it as possible. Mm. You know, obviously, it affects who you're playing. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, a, a good balance between the back row is, is a, hu is a huge uh, bonus. We're at seven minutes fifty-three on the YouTube clip, and and England's dominance at the set piece at the scrum starts to sort of tell. Did did you feel getting up from this? Did you think, yeah, th this is starting to lean our way? No, is is the short answer. Um, I think you know one of the things we especially spoke about going into these games is anything can happen. Um, you know, in World Cup games that feel a lot different to how the, the group stages did and it's that element of being able to control for a full 80 minutes you know they score you don't panic you keep going you keep pushing and, and not trying to problem solve I mean when I say problem solve not trying to you know do a miracle pass mm -hmm. that trying to score in the next phase it's just trying to keep and stick to the same principles um, and, I, and I think that stood us well in this game 
uh, more forward dominance there and and and, and there's the a sort of rolling more coming into its own Johnny May and George Ford joining in and, and another example uh, what time are we on the YouTube clip here yeah around about the nine minute mark you can see again your sort of dominance your sort of strength it's it was a bit of an arm wrestle uh, and you know you you're just starting to to, to show that you were getting the, the the full push and of course Owen Farrell's reliable boot makes uh, turns it into points yeah exactly you know uh... I mean, speak on behalf of any forward, you get up from a, a penalty and you, you see your man knocking over the points makes a huge difference to your confidence and the excitement as a team. And once you've got that excitement as a team, to be able to you know, replicate that and do it for multiple phases makes all the difference. Final sort of uh, ebbings of, of the game and Australia pinned back on their own line. And, and again, the defence is as ferocious as, as it was throughout the game. And, and that must be something that sort of comes from, from, from Eddie Jones and, 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 and wanting you to work for every single second of every single minute of the match. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, especially from a pride point of view, um, being able to give a full 80 for each other. I spoke about how tight we were. And, you know, look at the celebrations here. We've got props running in, uh, everyone running in. And I, I think that's what's really special about this team is, you know, you don't, we didn't do the full 80 for ourselves. We did it for each other. And it's a sign of how tight we became off, on and off the field. And, you know, those hard times in training, those social times together, um, I think really, really show in this game. It's a really good win. You know, to put 40 points in Australia must have really sort of been a, a good mental fillip. How did this victory sort of lead into what happened against New Zealand? How, how much of, of that performance was sort of forged in previous games? Um, it's hard to say, you know, you can't really say none. But, you know, when you, as I said at the start, when you're in this World Cup, it becomes very cyclical. Um, you start your week and then you've got a game at the end and you restart, go again. So that ability to know, you know, you've got to celebrate it with, with your friends. Obviously, we're lucky to have family and friends out. Um, celebrate it with each other. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you've got to enjoy it. Um, but then that ability to, you know, when it comes to Monday, Tuesday, again, it, it's work time. We go again. Um, resetting that brain is, you know, is a totally different task. Um, and, and kind of going about it in your own business. You know, you don't underhype it. You don't overhype it. Um, you give it the credit it deserves and then you, you, you rip in for that week and get ready. Incredible flanker talent as well uh, in, in England at the moment. You've got yourself, you've got your brother, Sam Underhill, Lewis Ludlam, Ben Earl, Ted Hill, people like Tom Ellis, Lewis Ludlow, Will Evans. There's some very, very good young flankers around at the moment. How does that make you feel and how does that make you train? Oh, yeah, it definitely squeezes you know, the extra percentages out of you, um, especially, you know, the position of flanker, you know, everyone's, everyone's, you know, they must be a nut in some uh, way or form, you know, pushing themselves to the absolute max. So, you know, you've got to do the same and, and, and more if you're going to, you know, you know, beat these guys. Uh, I say beat, you know, it's a form of competition, pushing each other, um, especially I, talk, I can talk, you know, me and my brother push each other. Um, and, and it's good. It can only be good for the game. It can only be good for the, the England team and the Premiership teams to really raise the standard of, of, of what happens in rugby. Can I talk about your brother? Because 
it's always struck me and, and I've obviously worked within the game and I've, I've spoken to people up at sale and Steve Diamond very famously said that, you know, if, if Tom Curry's, you know, the best flanker in England, then then Ben Curry's did definitely the second best, if, if not equal with him. And, you know, how, how does that, how does that play itself? Because, and it's, it's a delicate question and, and I'm sure it's something you thought about and, and maybe you don't want to talk about it, but do you, do you ever think, <laughs> From a brother point of view, and an identical twin point of view, how how has what's happened to you? How do you how do you how do you work what's happened to you, and and your caps against the fact that that him who, who a very similar prospect and a very similar talent pool, obviously, it just hasn't quite happened for him. Does does that does that ever come up as a conversation for you? Does it does it ever work itself through? I can only think that you that you maybe do think about it. No, not really. In terms of, you know, it's very easy to chuck two people with the same surname in the same boat, isn't it? Um, you know, if he was 40 years older than me, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know, we're, we're pushing each other. But at the end of the day, you've got to take that step back and realise we're two different people on, on two different journeys. Um, as far as, you know, how talented he is there's not many that rival him um so it's all about it's all about a time game and making sure that he works hard keeps his head down you know nothing's ever given to you um so i think you know he's he's very good at that very aware of that and uh yeah it's just about working hard and when your time comes you take it um so so yeah there's not really much more to say than that it's tough though isn't it it must well maybe maybe you don't see it like this but i mean it it, it when when you talk about it like that, it makes me realise that sometimes professional sport is, I don't want to make it sound like luck, but sometimes it's about taking the opportunity that comes your way. And sometimes you, 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 you don't get it. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And you've just got to make peace with that. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, there's elements of that. Um, if I didn't, you know, if he didn't have a back spasm and played in the Barbarians game, who knows? Um, but again, like, as as I, as I said, everything's earned, and you got to make sure that you keep working hard. And when your time comes, you take it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just about that 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 ability to keep going, keep driving yourself, keep pushing, and getting better. And um, whatever happens, happens. Um, but yeah, no, as a family, we're obviously aware of it. I'm not saying that from. A, I've not been saying all that from like a ruthless, it probably sounds a bit like unemotional. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you got to get the facts, otherwise you're going to be yeah. staying up at night, aren't you? Yeah. No, and that's what I mean. That's a, and that, it's very interesting to hear you talk about it and the, the way that you have dealt with it. It sounds like the right way to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? From a, from a mental processing point of view, it sounds as though you're making the right decision there to talk about it in the way and think about it the way that you do. Oh, yeah, you can't cry about it every day. Um, and, he, you know, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking about it now. It's very easy, but obviously for him it's a, it's probably a bit more difficult to talk about, but he's been very good and, you know, just pushing on and getting better. And I think it's a brilliant uh, attitude to have from him. And I can only imagine that when he gets the chance, like he does at the moment, to have a go up against you, <laughs> he really uh, he really gives it a go. <laughs> hopefully not a, not a premiership. Hopefully we'll still be at sale. But I mean, in your own backyard at the moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it's just passing. It's just passing. Um, one final thing to talk about from this game, England versus Australian. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, Tom. Um, is the handshake? 
I'm not going to let you get away <laughs> without. Oh uh, yeah, this is this game as well, isn't it? <laughs> totally forget um, <laughs> This has been well documented on social media. It was a beautiful moment. I've heard many people refer to it as one of the most beautiful pieces of Englishness ever. Uh, you holding your hand out, trying to get her to shake your hand. And of course, culturally, you had this situation where she was very afraid of what she was wanting to do and how it seemed. And and it just seemed to jar. (laughs) Do you remember thinking, oh, let the ground swallow me up? (laughs) Oh, well, I hope everyone knows these moments aren't rehearsed um, at all. Um, But no, you know, at the time, I just, the only thing I was thinking about was I don't want to grab it and look like like a horrible person on TV. So I tried to, you know, do it in the nice way as possible. Um, but yeah, it looks a bit aggressive in the end. But yeah, it's not a great moment, is it? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, look, I mean, I could talk to you for a very long time and I could certainly obviously then go on and, and talk to you about the other games. But the rules of this podcast are just one game, one player. And I think you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. You've given us a, a really sort of incredibly detailed insight into your world and how it works. And you are still so young and there is so much of your career in front of you. I think we'll all be fascinated to see how your rugby life progresses. Good luck with it all. And Tom Curry, thank you for giving us your one game at a time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <laughs>